number 19, Genesis chapter number 19, verse 12. Genesis chapter number 19. Amen. And the men said unto Lot, Hasten thou, hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters, and whatsoever thou hast in the city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord have sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his son-in-law. And when the morning arose, then the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters, which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand, and upon the hand of his wife, and upon the hand of his two daughters, the Lord being merciful unto him. And they brought him forth and set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, they said, Escape for thy life. Look not behind thee. Neither stay in all the plain. Escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And I would like to minister to you today from this thought, the last five warnings of God. The last five warnings of God. Father, we praise you again this morning. God, we seek your wisdom and knowledge and understanding for the people today again, O oh God. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet Heavenly Dove, stay with us, O God, I pray, Lord. Lead us and to guide us, O Lord Jesus, I pray, God. In all things, we give you honor, we give you praise, Lord God. And I thank you, Lord Jesus, for your loving kindness and tender mercy, Lord. In this day, I praise you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, you may be seated. Amen. The last five warnings of God. They say that between October the 8th and October the 10th, 1871, there was this great fire in Chicago. It is called the Great Fire of Chicago. And it said approximately 300 people was killed, destroying roughly 3.3 square miles in the city. It was left over 100,000 residents homeless, destroying over 17,500 buildings, cost at that time approximately 
$322 million. But today they said if it would have been the Chicago fire, it would have cost $4.593 billion. Some have asked what and how did the fire start. There's many theories, they say, that is going around how it started. But the one that most of them has held on to is that Miss O'Leary was milking her cow, and the cow kicked over the lantern and started the fire in the barn and caused the great Chicago fire. Is that true? I don't know. But that's the theme, and that's what they have held to for years. I don't know about you, but I have seen many fires, and I have seen the damage that has caused fires. I have stood and seen buildings burned to the ground because the firefighters gave up and says there's nothing else we can do. I've seen in my military days in field training exercises that tents would catch on fire with soldiers inside, and then no time they are gone. They are burnt. To the ground. So many catastrophes have have been, and I think about constantly uh, in my life, and every time I hear of a tornadoes or, or or hurricanes that are coming, the devastation that is going to cause. When we look at Scripture, we see here in this story that we read today, we begin to realize that God had came down because he had said the cry of the people of Sodom and Gomorrah was coming into his ears and God has come down to destroy them because of their wickedness. And God stops first of all and he stops by his friends Abraham's house and God is talking with Abraham and as God is beginning to leave, he began to say, should I not let my friend Abraham know what I'm about to do. Maybe God knew, and God knows all things, and God knew that Lot was down in Sodom and Gomorrah, and so I think God wanted Abraham to understand what he was about to do, to let him know that, Abraham, if your nephew is down there, I'm sorry, but he's going to have to suffer the consequence. So God says, should I let my friend Abraham know what I'm about to do? And God tells Abraham that he's getting ready to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And so Abraham begins to go into a plea. He begins to try to get God to compromise to some degree about what he's going to do. So Abraham said to God, he says, God, I know you're a righteous God. He said, I know you're a God that will do right about all situations and all circumstances, God. I, I know you're good. He says, but God, let me ask you a question. He says, God, if you find 50. Will you destroy the city? God says, Abraham, I find 50. I won't destroy the city. Abraham's, wow. God, wait a minute. God, let me ask you again now. I know you're the righteous God. I know you're the judge of all the creation of the earth. But God, if you find 45, would you destroy the city? God says, Abraham, if I find 45, I won't destroy the city. Abraham says, God, let me speak one more time. I know, God, you are a righteous judge. God, if you find 40, will you destroy the city? God says, Abraham, if I find 40, I won't find it. He says, God, what about 30? 
I'm 30, Abraham. I won't destroy the city. God, God, let me ask you one more time. You find 20. Will you destroy the city? God says, Abraham, if I find 20, I won't destroy the city. Abraham goes on. He says, God, let me speak one more time. I know you're a righteous God. You find 10. God says, Abraham, if I find 10, I will not destroy the city. You see, Abraham was trying to make a deal with God because he knew that his nephew was there and Sodom and Gomorrah. And he knew that his nieces and nephews. And so maybe Abraham was trying to couple plea somehow with God that God would change his mind and not destroy the city. And maybe Abraham realized, okay, if he won't destroy it for 10, and maybe my nephew is living right and maybe his children is living right right and maybe they're doing what is right and so God will spare the city for my family and and not destroy it uh, but we realize that when God sends his angels down there there's so much perversion that is in the city that God is he's he's don't have no other choice but to prepare to destroy the city but the, because of Abraham I believe amen uh, the angels find lot uh, it seems like when they come into the city where's lot Lot is in the gate. Uh, it is in the gate where decisions are rendered and decisions are made. Uh, for some reason, as I read the scripture, I began to see that Lot may have been become maybe the mayor of the city. I don't know. I just use that, uh, that that way. Maybe he's the governor of the town or whatever, and the judge. Maybe they appointed him to be the judge, since uh, Peter says he's a righteous man. I don't. I don't know, but somewhere they find him in the gate, uh, and they begin to tell Lot what they are getting ready to do, uh, and so they begin to tell him, do you have any more family members here other than just you, your wife, and your daughters? Uh, Go out and get them out of this place, because we have one mission to destroy this place. And the Bible says that Lot goes out and he begins to talk to his son-in-laws that they need to get up and get out because God is getting ready to destroy the place. But the Bible says he sounds as one as mocking. In other words, it sounds like he's just making fun. Uh, he's just saying, uh, yeah, right, uh, God is going to destroy the place. Uh, all things continue just like they were, Lot. Uh, there's nobody going to destroy this city. You're losing your mind, Lot. Uh, Go on home and and enjoy yourself. Uh, We're going to have our fun. We're going to do what we want to do because all things are going to continue just like it has always continued. And he sounded like he was poking fun, but all of a sudden we see here, the Bible lets us know also that the angels are trying to hasten Lot to get out of the city. The Bible says Lot began to linger. He begins to try to delay the process. Maybe Lot feels that if I stay here that God won't destroy this city. Maybe he, I will find uh, a kindness uh, or something in God's eyes that he will not destroy this city. But the angels are saying God uh, is going to destroy this city, Lot. So don't linger any longer. We've got a mission to accomplish. We've got to do what God has sent us to do. So you need to get your family and you need to get out of, of this town. 
town uh, and get out of this place. Uh, but he lingered. Uh, you know, when I was in the military, there's uh, uh, Article 115, they call it. Malingering. <laughs> malingering. They call it malingering. You know, making excuses why you can't go to work and do the things. You, you know, you get punished for that. But Lot is lingering. He, he, he's lingering and delaying the, the, the mission of the angels which God has sent. Uh, and so finally it comes down to the point uh, that the angels has got to take him by the hand and take his wife by the hand and take his children by the hand and pull them outside of the city. And the angel gives him five warnings. Uh, he says, escape for your life. Uh, look not behind thee. Neither stay in the plains. Uh, escape to the mountains, lest you be consumed. Escape for your life. We've got to realize that we have a promise from God that the heavens and the earth, which are now, is going to melt with fervent heat. So we have to escape for our lives. Peter says on the day of Pentecost, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, uh, for the promises to you and to your children uh, and all that are far off, even uh, as many as the Lord our God shall call. Uh, and with other, other words, did he testify and exult, saying, Save yourselves. Uh, from this untoward generation. In other words, escape uh, for your life. Uh, get out of the city. Uh, flee from youthful lust. Uh, but follow righteousness and faith uh, and charity and peace uh, with them that call on the Lord uh, out of a pure heart. Uh, love not the world, John says. Uh, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all the that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the lies, and the pride of life. It is not of the world, of the Father. It is of the world, and the world passeth away. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. Every emphatic word that we read in the Word of God is telling us to escape for our lives. Get out of this place. Jesus says, don't lay up your treasure on earth, uh, where rust and moth corrupt, uh, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, because where your heart is, uh, there will your, your treasures are, there will your heart uh, be also. We don't need to keep lingering. We don't need to keep delaying the process. How long are you going to delay baptizing and being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ? Christ for the remission of your sins. How long are you going to linger been filled with the Holy Ghost? How long are you going to linger living a holy and godly and separated life? How long are you going to linger not being committed to the things of Almighty God? How long are you going to linger and not commit your life to Jesus Christ? Get out of this place. Flee, Paul says, youthful lust, and follow after righteousness, faith, 
charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Get out of this place. Run. Flee. Set your affections, Paul says in Colossians 3, on things above and not on the things of this earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ. And God, we got to get out of this place. Don't set your tent stakes down here. We're only here for a moment. We're just passing through. We got to get out of this city. Amen. We're looking for a better city where the Lamb is the light. The writer of Hebrews says they look for a city which had foundation, whose builder and maker was God. They have been mindful of the city from which they had came out of. They may have opportunity to return therein. But now they seek for a better city that is a heavenly, where God is not ashamed to be called their God. For he has prepared for them a city. God has a city. There's a city y'all beyond the starry skies. There's a city where there never comes a night. If we're faithful, we shall go there by and by. It is the city where the Lamb is the light. We need to prepare for that city. We need to escape out of this place. We need to get out of here. Not linger anymore in our walk with God. Not linger anymore in our commitment to God. Not linger anymore in this place. Killing ourselves and working for the man, if you want to call it that way, and not setting our affections on the things of God. Escape for your life. Peter goes on in Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, and when the heavens shall pass away with great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What matter a persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasten unto the coming of the the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. If we care for our lives, we need to get out of here. Flee. Run. Don't linger anymore. Amen. Above all else, I've got to be saved. Amen. Praise God. If you notice, I can remember years ago when there was tornadoes and hurricanes and things were coming. You know, they would get on the news and say, there's a tornado brewing out in the area, you know, and uh, there's a storm coming your way. And maybe you should take precautions. That's what they used to say. I can remember. Maybe you should take precaution. But all of a sudden now, you know what they say? Warning, get out of there and save your life. We can't promise you that those storms is not going to destroy you and everything that are there. So what are they saying? Escape 
for your life. While you know it's coming, we can't predict to you what the aftermath is going to be. If you stay there, you're going to be for your own purpose. You're going to have to take the blunt of it because we're giving you warning. We're not going to take responsibility for your life as you stay there because a lot of people, the government was being held accountable for them because they didn't leave. But now they tell you, you stay, you are at your own risk. And I come to tell you today, if you stay, you're at your own risk. Because God is telling us to escape for our lives. He is telling us to get out of this world because it's going to come to pass. That the heavens and the earth, which are now, is going to melt with fervent heat. We know through the scripture it is already laid up. It's going to burn, brothers and sisters. So God is wanting us. So we need to escape now for our lives. We need to get into things of God. We need to get as close to Jesus as we can. We need to build our hopes on things eternal. We need to hold to God's unchanging hand. Escape for your life. And the angels told him, don't look back. Don't look back. You see, if you look back, you'll want to go back. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They kept looking back. The book says in Numbers 14, 2 and 4, And the children of the of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God that we had died in the land of Egypt? Or would God we had died in the wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children shall be a prey. Were it not better for us to return into Egypt? And they said one to another, let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. In other words, they kept looking back and says, we're going to die out here. Let's go back. Let's get somebody and put them in charge to lead us back to the world where we came out of. And the 11th chapter of Numbers in verse 5 they says, we remember the fish which we did eat in Egypt freely, and the cucumbers, and the melons, and the leeks, and the onions, and the garlic. They want to go back to get more bad breath, if you want to put it that way. Amen. But I come to tell you, we don't go back. We set our affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. Paul says in Philippians 3, Oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformable unto his death, that by any means I may obtain unto that which I am apprehended of. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth to those things which are before, I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, are they not Hebrews?
Jews, so am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more and labor more abundantly and stripes above measure and prison more frequently and death often of the Jews five times received I forty stripes save one. Thrice was I beaten with rods. Once was I stoned. Thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep and journeying often and perils of water and perils of robbers and perils of my own countrymen and perils by the heathen and perils in the city and perils in the wilderness and perils in the sea and perils among false brethren and weariness and painfulness and watching often and hunger and in thirst and fasting often and cold and nakedness beside those things that are without that which come upon me daily the cares of all the churches who is weak and I am not weak who is offended and I burn not if I must need glory I will glory in the things which concern in my infirmity Second Corinthians eleven twenty two through 30 in Acts 20, 24, he sums us up this way. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, uh, so that I might finish my course uh, with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. He says, I count it all loss. Amen. That I might win Christ. Paul says, I'm not looking back. He says, I not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, and whatsoever state I am, therewith be content. Philippians 4.11. I know both how to be a base. I know how to abound everywhere. And in all things I am instructed both to be full and to suffer hungry. Both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Paul says, I've learned, amen, not to look back. I have learned that no matter what I go through, not to linger. I have learned to set my affections on things above, not on the things of this earth. I have learned that God is going to destroy this city. I've learned that I need to stay focused where God is taking me to and not put my stakes down here. Praise God. Don't look back. But Israel kept looking back. Do you know how far it was from Mount Sinai to the promised land? Eleven days. You know how long it took them to get there? Forty years. You read Deuteronomy chapter 1, the verse 3 scriptures, it tells you that. You just turn Deuteronomy chapter 1, you see it says it was 11 days from Mount Horb to Kadesh Barnea, which where they crossed over. Amen. Mount Horb means Mount Sinai. Amen. Now the next verse, notice. Notice, see it says 11 days. 
And it came to pass in 40 years. <laughs> Took them 40 years to go 11 days. Because they're lingering out there in the wilderness. Now they're complaining about going back. Man. My goodness. They could have been there. <laughs> could have been there. But they kept looking back. The more you look back, the longer it's going to take you to get perfect in God. The more you keep looking back, the longer it's going to take for God to do what He's going to do in your life. That's why the Lord says, I know what I'm going to do. He's just waiting on us to see what we're going to do. Don't look back. Paul says, none of these things moved him. David says, my heart is fixed. <laughs> my heart is fixed, oh God. He says, wake up, harp. Wake up, psalmstress. Get up. He says, because I'm getting up and I'm going to praise the Lord no matter what I go through. The Bible says a just man falls seven times, but he gets up again. We need to realize, amen, don't look back because you're going through a trial. Don't look back because you're going through a situation. The road may be paved the way you're going, but God is going before you. He told you, I will go before you, and I will make the way straight. So don't keep looking back. Amen. Lot's wife looked back as she turned into a pillar of salt. And Jesus says, remember Lot's wife. Amen. We need to keep pressing towards the mark of the prize of the high calling. In Christ Jesus, Judas looked back and look what happened when he looked back. He betrayed his, his master. He wound up committing suicide because he looked back. Demas, the Bible says, has left me for this present world. They looked back. Jesus Christ says, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part with me. And the Bible says in John chapter 6 that many of his followers went back and walked no more with them. And Jesus turned to his disciples, those which he had chosen, and said, will you go away also? And Simon Peter looked at him and says, Lord, unto whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we are persuaded that you are the Christ. We've got to get persuaded persuaded that there is no other way. Neither is there salvation in any other. But there is none other name in the heaven given unto men whereby we must be saved. They were persuaded. And as a result, they kept falling through. And the Bible says, for the time will fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and of Japheth and of David and Samson and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, work righteousness, receive promises, shut the mouths of lying, escape the edge of the sword, out of weakness was made strong, women receiving their dead to life again, 
others were tortured, not accepting the deliverance, uh, that they might achieve uh, a better resurrection. Uh, they had trials of cruel markings and scourging, yea, prison uh, and bonds. Uh, they were stoned. Uh, they were sold as under. Uh, they were slain with the sword. Uh, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, uh, destituted, tormented, uh, and affliction of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in mountains and dens uh, and caves in the earth. Uh, and these all received the good report, uh, amen, for their faith. Uh, but God, having provided some better thing uh, for us, uh, that they without us uh, should not be made perfect. Uh, he goes on in Hebrews 12, Wherefore, sin we are compassed about uh, with so great a cloud of witnesses, uh, let us lay aside every weight uh, and the sins uh, which does so easily beset us, uh, and let us run with patience uh, the race uh, that is set before us, uh, looking unto Jesus, uh, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy and doeth the cross, despising the shame, and set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him which can do such contradiction of sinners, uh, lest you be weary and faint in your own mind. Don't you give up. Don't you faint. Galatians 6, 9. Let us not be weary and well do it. For you shall reap if you faint not. Don't look back. I read an article in my study time that... In the medieval time, when they ran these races, they gave them a torch, and they lit that torch. Not only did you have to cross the finish line first, but you had to cross the finish line with your torch still lit. You could cross first, but if your torch wasn't lit, you didn't win. Maybe that's why Solomon says time and chance has happened to them all. <laughs> he said the race is not to the swift, but him that endure. See? So maybe that's where you're coming from, that your torch has got to still be burning when you cross the finish line. Maybe that's what Jesus is saying. Let your light shine. That men shall see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. We don't want to let our light go out. You remember what happened to Eli? His responsibility was to make sure that the light did not go out in the temple, but he allowed it to go out. And as a result, he lost his position. Amen. We must keep the light burning. Don't look back. And the angel told Lot, he said, need to stay in the plains. In other words, Lot, don't go back to where you were. You see, it was the plains that got Lot in trouble to start with. Look at Genesis 13, verse 8. And Abraham said to Lot, let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee and between my herdsmen and thy herdsmen. For we be brethren. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. If thou will take the left hand, then I will go to the right. Or if thou depart to the right hand, then I'll go to the left. 
And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plains of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, even as the garden of the Lord. And that praise is saying the garden of the Lord. He's talking about Eden. Because, see, there was three rivers that came in out of Eden. Like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zora. See, Zora means insignificant. <laughs> it's not important. Then Lot chose him all the plains of Jordan. And Lot journeyed east. And they separated themselves, the one from the other. Abraham dealt in the land of Canaan, and Lot dealt in the cities of the plain, and pitched his tent towards Sodom. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. Think about it. He chose the plains, and he pitched his tent towards Sodom, the wickedness. He allowed the plains to get to his heart. Because the Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And Lot chose the plains, all the plains, because it was well watered. Maybe Lot realized, I've got livestock, and I'm not judging Lot for choosing that. Amen. But we don't see where he should have said, oh, no, Uncle Abraham, you've been so kind to me. You've been so good for me. You've let me come along with you. You've showed me the right way. You've helped me to live. Uh, Uncle Abe, I tell you what. Uh, why don't you choose first? Uh, why don't you take the right choice first? Uh, and then let me have what you don't want. Uh, or, Uncle Abe, let me ask you a question. You've been so kind and considerate to bring me along. Why don't you choose for me? But we don't see any of that. We don't see any salt counsel from his own. So the angel says to Lot, don't stay in the plane. Because Lot, if you go back to where you were that got you here, you're going to want to come back again into the same place. So Lot, uh, don't stay in the plains because Peter would write in the second chapter and the 19th verse while they promised them liberty they themselves are the servants of corruption for of whom a man is overcome of the same is brought into bondage for if after they had escaped the pollution of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ they are again and Entangled therein and overcome. The latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they had known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. 
but it is happening to them. According to the true proverb, the dog is turned to his own vomit again, and the sow that was washed wallowed in the mire, Peter says. We need to understand we can't stay in the plains. Don't go back. When God has brought us out, we don't go back and waddle and the muck and in the mire like a hog and like a sow. Amen. And the dog that eats his own vomit again. We don't want that in our lives. We need to get out of this plains. We need to get higher in the things of Almighty God. And so the angel says to Lot, he says, escape to the mountain. Get up higher, the angel says to John in the book of Revelation constantly. Come up higher, John. Come on up so I can show you. Amen. We need to get higher in the things of God. Lord, lift me up and let me stand by faith on heaven's table land. A higher plane than I have found. Lord, plant my feet on higher ground. I want to scale the utmost height and get a gleam of glory bright. We need to get higher in the things of God. Escape to the mountain. Moses went up the mountain and he came down with the Ten Commandments. Joshua went up to the top of the mountain and he came back a leader of God's people. Jesus went up to the mountain and gave his life for the salvation of the whole world. Abraham went up the mountain and he came down a friend of Almighty God and filled with faith. You've got to escape. Get up to the top of the mountain. Get up higher in the things of God. Don't stay down here in the plains. Come on up, John. Get up higher so that God can show you the things that he wants to show you. Jesus took Peter and James and John with him up on the Mount of Transfiguration and he gave them a glimpse. Isaiah, amen, says in the year that King Uzziah died. I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the serpents, each having six wings, and with twain they covered their face, and with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly, and they cried one unto the other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. You're not going to be able to see until you get to the mountain. Get out of here. Get higher in the places of God. Escape for your life, Lot. Take your family. Escape. Don't look back. Don't dwell in the plains. Escape to the mountains. Lest you be consumed. That's what the angel is saying. Lot, you're lingering, bud. We got a mission. You stay here, and you're going to be destroyed. Your family's going to be destroyed. Everything you got, Lot, is going to be destroyed. This is your last warning. 
because we've got a mission. We've got to destroy this place. So if you don't get to the mountain, if you don't get out of here, you're going to be consumed with everybody else. God is speaking to us. If we don't get out of here, (laughs) if we don't come out of the world, we're going to be destroyed with everybody else. Peter says, the Lord is not slack concerning his promises, as some men count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He's given us a break. Every day that God don't come, people has an opportunity Get out of here. But one day, amen, it's not going to be that way. It's going to be destroyed. And Paul, writing to the church at Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers was under the cloud and all passed through the sea And all was baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat. And did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now, these things were our examples to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Neither be your idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and failed in one day, three and twenty thousand, twenty-three thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and was destroyed of the serpents. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and was destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happen unto them for an examples, and they are written for our amen. And admonishing upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he stand, take heed lest he fall. If we choose to burn, guess what? It's on us. So when Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, He says, save yourselves from this untowards generation. I got to stay in the church. That's what Peter is saying. That's what Paul told him in Acts 27. He says, except you abide in the ship, you cannot be saved. You got to stay. This is the old ship of Zion. 
It's the hope for the lost and the dying. It's a soul saving station. It's the tower of salvation. It's been through the storm, but the wind couldn't turn it. Fed to the lions, but the lions couldn't eat it. Fought a lot of wars, but never defeated. I'm talking about the church and the book of Revelation. It's built on a rock. It's got a firm foundation. It's been through the fire and it's been through the flood. But one of these days, the church is going to move up a little higher. Amen. So escape for your life. Let's stay in this morning. Father, we praise you. Oh, God, I magnify you this day. Oh, Lord, I praise you, Jesus. Uh, hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Uh, Praise God. Maybe you need to make a new commitment this morning that you're not going to stay in the plains. Maybe you need to make a new commitment uh, that you're going to get higher in the things of God. Uh, Amen. Maybe you need to make a new commitment this morning. Amen. That you're going to escape for you and your family. Amen. And get out of this place. Amen. Uh, Amen. You're going to take as many people with you as you can. Uh, Amen. So they're not destroyed like Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Only Lot and his two daughters got out of Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. His wife got out, but she looked back uh, and became a pillar of salt. Amen. Praise God. Father, I praise you, Lord. Uh, God, above all else, uh, 